welcome to the Para Unity Podcast. I hope tonight is finding everybody safe and healthy. I know you've heard it over and over again, but stick with it. We'll get through it. Let's get to talking about our paranormal. Tonight, we will discuss what it's like to live in a home that is teeming with paranormal energy. From footsteps through the house to EVPs that give you direct responses. All this and more has happened to tonight's guest. He is an author and a paranormal experiencer, Kevin Killen. Kevin will be discussing his book, Ghosts and Me, as well as other chronicles throughout his paranormal experiences. Kevin has won five Virginia Press Awards during his time as a journalist. Having stepped away from that, Kevin now counsels recovering addicts on their path to healing. He hopes this book can help others understand the paranormal and to give insight into what others are experiencing. Kevin has never gone on a full paranormal investigation, but can't wait to do so. Kevin resides in Alexandria, Virginia, not far from his childhood home in Falls Church, where he's had some of his earliest paranormal experiences. He is still experiencing the paranormal to this day. Now, help me welcome to the Parunity Podcast... Kevin Killen, author of Ghosts and Me. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you were able to, or we were able to get some time together to actually sit down and talk about your book. So for those of you that haven't heard of Kevin's book yet, like I said, the title of it is called Ghosts and Me, and this book is a journey of searching and trying to understand the paranormal. So what Kevin's done now is for over 30 years, he's been experiencing some form of paranormal activity. Kevin, what actually got you into the paranormal? What got you started? Uh, um, boy, it, it started when I was a child. <clears throat> Excuse me, I was a child. Um, I had my first experience. I was about five years old. We were living in uh, <clears throat> Evanston, Illinois, and uh, everybody was gone uh, other than me and my mother. Uh, and we had been downstairs eating, and we distinctly heard footsteps upstairs. And I turned to my mother, and I said, who's that? Um, and she said, well, that's my little boy. And I was confused because I was the only little boy that I knew of that was in the house. Um, but they were distinctive. You could definitely hear them on the hardwood floor. And uh, later on, my mother told me she said that because she thought somebody broke into the house. And uh, that was the only thing that she could think of to to let me know that, you know, so I wouldn't get scared or whatever. But, um, yeah, they were distinctive. As, as I tell you this story, I can hear them in, hear them in my head with the creaks and the footfalls on the on the floor. So that's really kind of where I got started was uh, at about five years old. And I've just had experiences uh, continually up until till, uh, today. Sure. Yeah. And, and you kind of talk a little bit about that experience in your book about your mom and i it, it made me laugh because like you said in the book you know she's a very strong irish woman and she's just kind of plays it off like yeah this is just a matter of fact yeah that that's definitely how she was so and you know like i said kind of going through it a little bit um you know you talk a little bit about how with your with your mother's family you know being from well, actually, both your parents from being over in Ireland, you know, their background and their culture. And that's, 
you know, we've had people from Ireland on the show before, and there's a very, very rich history of paranormal over there. Oh, yeah. So, in, in your book, you talk a lot about different stories of different experiences you've had with the paranormal. What would you say is, other than, you know, when you were a child with your mom, what was one of the stories that really stood out to you? Um, I would probably have to say the first EVP that I got. Um, So I was fresh out of high school. This was the early 90s for anybody who's listening that remembers those times. Um, I had one of those big big boom boxes with a detachable speaker. So um, I had been really into the course into the paranormal at that time, and I'd actually read a book. Uh, about EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, and I said, hey, you know, maybe I could try to do this. So um, one one night I found myself basically alone in the house, um, popped in a Maxell tape, <laughs> for those who <laughs> might remember the uh, the old Maxells, uh, for the younger generation, you will have to look that up. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I popped one of those in, hit, hit uh, play and record, and I asked the question, I said, if anybody's here, show me. And I uh, went off to a friend's house for about an hour, hour and a half, because I think those tapes were about 60 or 90 minutes, if I remember correctly. And I uh, came back and went ahead and rewound it and uh, didn't get anything but the white noise until about the last maybe two minutes. Uh, first of all, I heard like a drumming that sounded like somebody was actually beating on the recorder. And that scared me because I was like, well, who the hell is this? There's somebody in the house. And then there was some like weird beeps and whistles, and I don't know what that was either. Then at the final, maybe the final five to ten seconds, uh, there was a very deep growling voice that said, I have shown you, ha ha. And I about fell out of the chair because of that question, whatever this thing was. And uh, so I ended up running out of the house and, and trying to, you know, collect my thoughts and, and regroup and think, well, what the hell was that? What did I just get? You know, I, I've, I got a, a voice because there was nobody in the house. There was not a single soul in that house other than me. So, um, of course, you know, when I started telling people they thought I was crazy or on drugs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Friends and family when I try to explain to them what I just heard. And uh, so that, that that was probably, you know, to this day, uh, still sticks out as one of the, I wouldn't say def- defining moments, but I'd have to probably say the most, one of the defining moments of my paranormal journey was, was the first EVP I ever captured. Sure. And I mean, there's investigators that are out there that have been doing this for years upon years that don't get a evp that distinct yeah and and, and that, that that like i said and, and to this day I, I don't know what exactly was it. it it did sound demonic and i hate to use the d word <laughs> because i think that gets thrown out thrown thrown around a lot um but but what it it sounded like is, is, is again back then when you had the tapes if you slowed it down to the very almost to the very slowest speed you could get that's exactly what it sounded like but again, at the time, it was running same speed or whatever. So I don't know if it was a trickster spirit. I don't know if it was something demonic or dark or whatever. I don't know what it was, but it, it showed me, and it really did. So now this this kind of brings up a question in my mind. 
So you are doing this recording in your house, correct? Yes. Now, is this the same house that you guys had the footsteps upstairs? Uh, no, this is a different house. This was actually in Falls Church, Virginia. I'm sorry, I should have prefaced that by saying that, yeah, that was I was actually in Virginia at the time uh, of this recording. Okay. And then did you have any other experiences in that house there in Virginia? Um, ju- just um, – the, the the room that I was in uh, was my was the master bedroom, um, and, and my my father had, had gone to Japan to work. <clears throat> excuse me, as a journalist, so my mother didn't feel comfortable sleeping in that room, so she slept downstairs. So I ended up my senior year of high school ended up taking over that room. Um, it was just a very large room with a with a wooden floor, uh, but I would hear like the bed was I guess situated I don't want to say diagonally but it was actually kind of sideways like um the way the bed was so anyway the 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 door was if you were on your left side the door would be to your back so when I was on my left side it's always sounded like people were walking my room it would you could hear people walking like like footsteps in my in that room and when I was on my left side, I never wanted to look around, and see, I was afraid to see, turn over and see what I was going to see. But it was clear that there was it always sounded like people walking in my room. And I talked to my mom about that, and she kind of like blow it off. But yeah, that that was the, the only thing I experienced was it just it, it always sounded like there was people walking in that room. That's really interesting. Um, so now, if I remember correctly when we kind of were talking back and forth a little bit at first, you're not actually an investigator, correct? No, I'm not. I have not. I have actually not done an investigation. Sure. But you, and and this is one of the things that I get the biggest kick out of with you and don't, don't think I'm trying to play it down, but I, I love the fact that, Yes, you don't do any official investigations, but you're always pu- like trying to find a way to put yourself in front of something paranormal or go and check out something paranormal. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, and I'm, I'm actually in an area now. Uh, I'm actually like three miles down the road from Mount Vernon, you know, George Washington's home. So I'm actually – but again, my, my schedule does not has not allowed me to actually go and investigate places yet, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, you know, I'll get to do that eventually. But yeah, I've never been on an official investigation, and I've actually talked to a couple local paranormal teams, uh, and I just can't pin them down, and they can't pin me down. So I've just never been. But I've, I've, I definitely want to go on one eventually. Uh, you know, that's actually one of one of my goals is to actually go on an investigation officially with a team. Sure, and it's a whole different ball game than going in and checking the stuff out on your own like you've been doing. Um, like I was telling you before we started recording, I do have some friends that are investigators out in the area, and I'll uh, I'll give you their names so you guys can maybe you guys can kind of touch base with each other and maybe something will work out. Oh, that'd be great! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, going back to the book here a little bit. You, um, I guess, other than being an author of a book, you're actually a journalist like your dad was, correct? Uh, yes, I actually was for about almost close to 10 years. I actually work in the um, 
the drug and alcohol rehabilitation field now. Yeah, and so you kind of have that mindset. And I mean, with, you know, a journalist, you know, trying to figure out the story and then even the same with, you know, with your counseling for people with addictions, you know, you you get that kind of analytical mindset where, you know, you hear the stories or you find out the facts and then you're able to kind of in your head be able to piece the stuff together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, that that's one thing that I think does help me uh, even to this day uh, to make sure that, you know, because I, I, I've seen people and I've seen things where, uh, you know, something happens and immediately, boom, it's a ghost. And it's like, no, it's not. You know, and I used to be like that. That used to be me. Like the minute I'd hear something, oh, my God, it's a ghost. It has to be. Uh, but now it's more. OK, let's make sure. Let's see if there's a rational <laughs> explanation for this before I go, you know, full paranormal. Um, and, and that does, I think, come with with the uh, analytical mind. And, and I'm a Virgo, so I overthink things anyway. <laughs> so. Well, and like I was saying about the book, you know, this is this is your journey for searching and trying to understand the paranormal. So this book is completely chocked full of different stories of um, different experiences you've had and different places you've gone that you're able to go and check out the different paranormal activities that have been around. And, and they're not – the part that I liked is that they're not even, you know, like your normal high-end everybody knows about haunted places. Right. Yeah. These were just experiences that I've had uh, pretty much everywhere I've lived or worked. So it, and, and I know that the common denominator is me. But, yeah, I've had all these experiences at just like normal places, like apartment buildings or houses. Have you ever felt that maybe you have, I don't want to say a special connection, but like a sensitivity to the paranormal? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Um, I, I've recently discover well not recently in the last year or two i've actually discovered that i'm empathic and i think that has a lot to do with it because i think um being an empath <clears throat> excuse me I, i'm, I'm kind of like the um and i use the analogy the roadside motel beacon where you see the you know the big neon sign that that's kind of me is when when spirits are around they see see me and they're like oh he can hear here and see us so we're gonna make a beeline for him um and, and i think that that's what it is. And, and also, like I said, it's I, I'm not psychic. I, I don't I don't think I have any psychic ability, but I think everybody has in, intuition. So I have a lot of intuition that uh, throughout the, the years, I've actually started to follow a lot closely. Uh, and I think that's all related and tied into it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. So I'm going to pick you apart here a little bit. There's a a few different stories that you talked about in your book that I I really enjoyed reading about. I think the first one that I think you should tell some people about is uh, when you're in college back in '96 about the um, the room that or the place that you had with your roommates. Yeah, what, yeah, what, was it the? Oh, that was the one the one in uh, college. Yep, with the doors. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting because, like I said, we 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 experienced the same things at different times when we weren't around. 
uh, things like the doors opening and closing in the kitchen um, and the bathroom door opening and closing. And, the, and it, at the time, we had a back door that went out to the to the um, to the yard. So I'd hear that open and close because he my roommate at the time was a bartender. So he'd come in three, four five in the morning and I always thought it was him. And nine times out of ten, it never was. <laughs> but I'd, I'd hear that door open. Somebody come in, close the door, walk through the kitchen, and go to the bathroom. And I'd, I'd think it was him, and I'd never hear the bathroom door open again. And I was like, wait a minute, that's kind of weird. So I'd cautiously go to the door and, and knock on it and oh, never heard anything, open it up, and there was nobody in there. So that happened on a few occasions. And like I said, uh, w- it was interesting when we finally got together and compared notes on that, that we were hearing the same things when we weren't in the in the house together. So that was interesting. Yeah. So so now the doors opening and closing and the footsteps and stuff that all was happening at night for you, but is also happening during the day for for your roommate. Yeah, it was it was continuous. It was. Yeah. Like I said, when he was alone in the house. Uh, any time of the day or night it would happen and when i was alone in the house the same thing would happen to me so it was <laughs> it, it never really happened when we were together but it always happened when we were we were separate separately uh in the house it was just kind of weird yeah that is really weird now and then the other part of the story is is your friend cheryl yes so and she's uh now is she a, a, a witch or did she practice wiccan yeah, she 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 practiced Wiccan. Okay, and then she also had that sensitivity to where she could communicate as well, correct? Yes, yes, she was she was she's very good at that actually. I, I still am in contact with her today, and, and and she can still see a lot of stuff. So she's really good. She's one of the best I've ever met. Yeah, and it's when you find people like that. I I've met a few throughout my career in the paranormal, and it's. Once you find someone that you can tell fully can connect like that, it's it's just amazing to watch and experience. Yeah, absolutely, and it it, it actually <clears throat> excuse me in the in the beginning gave me goosebumps because of course I wasn't used to this, but you know she did a remote viewing <clears throat> to my house when I was actually in, in Virginia, and she was in Pennsylvania, and that's how she was the real deal because she was telling me specific things that were in an attic that she had never been in that house before. And I, it blew me away. And I was like, whoa, you know, goosebumps, hair standing up on end, the whole nine yards. Um, so once she did that, I started picking her brain for, for a lot of this stuff. And, and this was one of the things that I talked to her about because we didn't know what was going on. And and uh, it really was starting to freak us out in this house that, you know, all this, all this paranormal stuff was going on. And so uh, we were able to talk to her and, and and ascertained that it was a former owner named George that used to live there. This was just kind of checking up on the place to make sure we were taking care of it. And I actually went to the local library and actually looked up land deed records uh, on that and, and found that there was an owner back in the 40s named George. So she actually confirmed it. So it was pretty cool to find that out. Yeah, that is really cool. That was, that, like I said, that, that's one of my favorite favorite stories that you had in the book was was george and the doors and everything else it it, it, it's just it it blows my mind that he only wanted to let one of you know at a time that he was there i guess he just must have been shy yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably what it was. But I mean, he he, he wasn't there with any mal mal uh, mal intent. He was just <clears throat> he just wanted to make sure we were taking care of his house. So once <clears throat> we had actually asked her or asked him through her, you know, hey, could you please stop? That's kind of freaking us out. He he totally went away when he that and he figured out, hey, we're, we're going to be okay with this house. And unfortunately, um, there's two places, this house and one uh, another one in Virginia that I, I talk about in the book. Both of them have, uh, are no longer there. This one, they've been torn down. So that's kind of sad. Yeah, that is really sad. Now, is that the house that you uh, talked about um, where you could hear the cannon fire? Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was actually the next thing I was going to talk to you about was was that story. Um, uh, tell us about that a little bit. I mean, you guys are in this house and all of a sudden you hear these sounds and you're like, cannons at, at this time? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, at the time that we we had moved to uh, Winchester, Virginia, <clears throat> Frederick County, Virginia, if anybody's familiar with that area, um, that had a lot to do with the Civil War. Um, Winchester changed hands between the North and the South more than 70 times during the, the conflict. In four years, the Valley Campaign was huge. Uh, just everywhere around there was, uh, you know, Civil Wars just rife with stories and, and people who were, uh, you know, they literally almost dropped fight at the drop of a hat. I've actually I actually witnessed this at a, at a reenactment um, that I, when I worked for the newspaper out there that they took this so seriously that it, they'd almost fight over the north and the south like it was actually a real deal still. And I was like blown away by this whole thing. Like, my God, this is, you know, the 2000s. What are you guys doing? The war has been over for a long time. Yeah. Um, but they really got into it down there. And the reenactors uh, really got into it. Uh, into the roles and the characters, and they they study it so well, and there's there's such a sense of pride down there uh, about you know that that's their land, that's their time, and everything. That it, it, if you you had to be so pinpoint precise writing a story about it, or you would get letters and 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 basically almost death threats. Uh, you know, people calling into the paper saying, "Hey, you spelled this guy's name wrong," and just go off on you. And you're like, "Okay, well, I'll make a correction," but they were really you know, just like that. Uh, so we, we moved into a, uh, a, um, um, gosh, I can't remember the name, like a ranch. I guess it was like a type of ranch, um, out there. We weren't too far from uh four collier battlefield, but anyway, this particular night, it was, it was uh, a summer night and it was pretty warm. And if anybody's been in Virginia, they know August nights are really sticky and, and pretty nasty as far as the weather goes. So we were, you know, we went outside to cool off and everything. And we were out there and, and I used to smoke at the time. And so did she. And we were out there smoking a cigarette and just kind of, you know, listening to the the crickets or whatever. We hear these distinct booms and we look at each other like, what the hell was that? You know, because it sounded like cannons. And the first thing that was like, that sounded like a cannon to me. And she was like, you know, it did, but who the hell would be shooting off a cannon at three in the morning? Um, and I said, I don't know. They shouldn't be. <laughs> so the next day I, I, you know, inquired downtown when I was uh, at the newspaper and, and, and 
Winchester has a, a, a really beautiful walking mall um, with stores and shops and, and food eateries and things like that. So, um, you know, and I knew a lot of the people there. So, I, you know, I'd ask around and everyone was like, no, there's no reenactments at three in the morning, this and that. And they was like, well, why do you want to know? And I said, oh, no reason. So I told told her, I, I told Cheryl, I said, look, I said, I tried to find this out and nobody, they, there was not anybody that said there was anything going on there. But it, it distinctly sounded like two or three booms from a cannon. It was the craziest thing. And well, and it's it's hard to get those booms confused with anything else because, you know, they they rattle everything when they go off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, there's no mistake. You know, I've covered uh, tons of reenactments and I've actually been just, you know, watch uh, reenactments. And you're right. It, it is an unmistakable sound. Yeah, it really is. Now, in your book, you talk about hauntings and manifestations as being kind of a cyclical thing. So, you know, ebbs and flows, kind of like a roller coaster throughout the year, correct? Yes, yes, at least it's been my experience that way. Okay, what's what's stuff that... When do you think are the high points, or do you think it kind of changes from year to year? Um, usually for me, um, it, it's been typically um, mid to late September through November. Um, and I know that's, uh, you know, the, the fall has always been, been, I've always considered that a magical time for me no matter what. And even as a kid, you know, I always loved that time. Um, and I never knew why, and maybe, and maybe now uh, I kind of understand that. Uh but for me, usually that's when it's heightened. And, and, and I have a, a, a friend <clears throat> who lives in Michigan uh, who's a witch, and we, we I talk to her all the time. And, and I told her, I said, you know, between October 1st and October 31st is like a roller coaster. You know, you, first, you have the ascent from like the 1st to the 15th, and then you have the descent from the 15th to the 30th. So by the time Halloween hits, you know, it, it's full-blown. You know, and, and again, for me, I, I can feel a change, you know, and I feel changes in the air and the atmosphere. And it's just kind of weird because I know a lot of people say that the veil is the thinnest and, and this and that. And and I agree with that. But I, I think spirits are among us all the time. But I can I, I feel a more heightened awareness, I believe, uh, through that time. And I don't usually have um, a lot of uh, too many experiences that um you know, from that time, but it's it just, it's the time. It, it, I have experiences all through, throughout the year, but, but usually during that time, uh, that does happen to be, it seems to be, um, just more of a heightened awareness and, and more things can happen. Yes. I agree with you during that time, that September, October time frame. Um, like you say in your book, you know, throughout the year, it's, it's climbing, it's climbing, it's climbing. And then you get into that up through the end of October, the 31st, and you're on that massive downhill. Everything's going to happen at once. And, you know, like a lot of people in the paranormal realm feel, you know, the veil is thinner during that time. So it's easier for things to kind of bounce back and forth. Near the end of your book, you actually talk about how you had a, a co-worker that had a lot of negative energy around him. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, he he. Uh, gosh, I don't want to pin everything on him because I know it's not him. But uh, this particular coworker, yeah, he uh, he suffered a psychotic break, um, and he uh, we actually witnessed this, <clears throat> unfortunately, and he he had a lot of psychiatric issues, um, but he 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 would towards the end there before he. And I hate to say this, but we literally went off the deep end. Uh, he would would just start talking to things that weren't there. Like he'd start talking to the air. He'd say, you know, he, you know, we'd be outside smoking a cigarette, and the plane would go overhead, and he'd be like, "Yeah, don't worry about that, Kevin. That uh, they follow me all the time, and just you know things like this." But but he actually had a couple instances where <laughs> I didn't think I put the I, I don't think I put that in the book actually because I, I didn't want to um, he, he actually had had a court case uh, after he had the break he, he did some things to some people that I actually worked with that he actually had to go to jail for so I, I didn't want to put him in there for that very reason I didn't touch upon him too much but he actually had uh, a few instances where uh, it was actually caught on camera where he actually passed a there was a we had a water fountain that had a had those little cups you know you would take the little drinks of water and you can clearly see him staring at this on the camera and and the 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 cups do a backflip like and almost impossibly do a backflip onto the floor and we tried to recreate that thing when he showed me and i was i don't know how the hell it did it <laughs> but it was the weirdest thing because it, it 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 wasn't done by any human, so I don't I don't know how it happened, but it it, it literally did a backflip onto the floor, and, and he was staring at the whole thing, like just watching it, and never even touched it. So I don't know what was up with that, but yeah, he had a lot of darkness around him. He still does. That's too bad. Yeah, and like I said, it was it was pretty sad watching him go through a psychotic break like that. And, and actually, we have a lot of mental health uh, people that we deal with uh, were co-occurring. Uh, substance abuse and, and mental health and, and watch one of our own uh, go like that but he, he, he's been sick for a long time so and, and again I think you know some of the things that it, that probably happened there um, probably attributed to him sure and, and you know it very well could be but but like you said you know it's it's not something that given the circumstances it would be something that you could really blame him for because it, a lot of the stuff that I've read and researched in, in the years that I've been involved with this is it sounds like he was being controlled by something from the other side, especially if, you know, he's staring at cups and they're doing backflips and he's not even flinching. Yeah. So, but you were saying in the book that, you know, after he had left, you can still kind of feel that essence is that you're talking about still at work. You still have that kind of nasty feeling, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of likened it to, uh, what is it? What did I say? I think it was kind of like walking through quicksand because you could, you, you, the, the negativity was just, it's so thick and like we have a community room um, and we have about 40 to 50 uh, clients at any time, at any time. And, you know, that, that's a lot, mostly where they do 
most of their stuff is is in this room. Um, but it, it's some 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 nights it's like walking through quicksand because the negativity is so thick. It's just it's it's just it's it's the weirdest thing. But it's actually pretty sad when you think about it because there are so many people that have had horrible things happen to them. And I think that's, you know, and I, I touch upon that in the book is that a lot of the things that have happened to them, uh, the residual stuff, the sludge, if you will, is, is kept here. And, and, and like I said, with, with him also having those issues and things going on with him, I think he added to it. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I mean, it's, you see that a lot with paranormal locations, especially, um, well, it's all over, but I mean, I know, I know for a fact here in Iowa that a lot of the places that have the most activity are places where they dealt with addicts or they dealt with mental health issues or things along those lines. Yeah. And, and like I said, that's, that's sad because, you know, you figure there, there, I think there has to be something to that. And I actually, you know, I think I touch upon that in the book is that I, I draw some sort of parallel w- with some of the things that happen in, in the, in the facility that I work in now. And, you know, with, with what, what goes on with people there, I, I don't think they intentionally do it. I think it's just because they have such a weakened spirit and things go on that, um, they are more susceptible to, to things happening to them, and I think they're they're able to leave their energy there. Uh, unfortunately, it is very negative. Yeah, well, and I mean on the on this opposite side of it too, uh, some of them people that have really gone through a lot of problems in their life, you know, they may leave their energy there too because maybe that's the only place they feel. I don't safe or or comfortable you know because they come and they talk to you guys right so you know trying to spin a little positive on it i guess yeah yeah now that that's pretty much i I think you're right though with that because i we've actually had you know aside from my one co-worker we you know because you know everyone has essences and energies and everything so we've we've had different people um that have had personal problems, obviously, that, that I've worked with. So, you know, the, their essence is left there as well. Uh, so I'm sure the, the, their essence is added to um, what's already there. So it's kind of like a, you know, mishmash of a little bit of everything. Yep, absolutely. I completely agree. So your book, again, the title of it is Ghosts and Me. Um, it's I love the cover of it with the with the hand up there on it. Um, yeah, they, they did a great job there. I, when I first saw the, uh, when it first came out, I was like, wow, that's really cool because they, they didn't tell me anything during production about what it's going to look like or anything. So I was, until it came out, I had no idea what it was going to be like, but yeah, I, I'm pretty pleased with the cover as well. Sure. And so if people are interested in purchasing the book, um, where can they go to find it? They can go to uh, www.ozarkmountain.com. That's Ozark Mountain Publishing. Uh, That's my publisher. They can go to Amazon.com. They can go to, um, I think, Walmart.com carries it. Uh, They can go to BarnesandNoble.com, pretty much anywhere online where you can buy buy books. Um, And um, if I could 
tell your readers or your fans if, if they do purchase that, please uh, read it and and give me a review on Amazon. Whether you like it or you don't like it, anything's better than nothing. Uh, so that, that that would be great. Um, and also, if uh, you wanted to contact me directly to talk about anything paranormal or anything in, in all, uh, K-K-I-L-L-E-N-B is in boy, T is in Tom at gmail.com. That is my personal email. Uh, you can reach me directly there, and it's also in the book. So feel free to hit me up uh, about anything, any questions, comments, or concerns you might have. I'm always up for talking to people about anything. Well, and you have a Facebook page too, correct? Yes. Yes, I, I do have a Facebook page. I, I also have a uh, Twitter, I'm sorry, not Twitter, a Instagram account. Uh, okay, they can hit me up at irishkev7147. That's my Instagram account. Okay, perfect. And I will, in the show notes for this, I will put a link for your to get to your book there on Amazon. And then we'll put links to your Facebook and your Instagram as well. So that way, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, they can. That would be awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and definitely you guys need to need to take a chance to pick up this book and get a chance to read it. I, I think I read it in about two days. So when I finally had a chance to pick it up at, with the move and everything else. But once you get started in it, it's, it's extremely hard to put down. Thank you. Kevin, uh, do you guys are you doing any any public um, meet and greets or book signing events or anything like that? Uh, I don't have any planned right now. Um, perhaps in the future. I think obviously with the unfortunately with this coronavirus, that's kind of shut down a lot of things. Yeah, very um, true. But I, I yeah, but but I, I will let people know that I am working on a second book. I'm working on Battlefield Ghosts. So um, I'm in the preliminary stages of that, and that's basically going to try and focus on uh, three or four battlefields in the area, including Antietam and Gettysburg, and uh, taking my trusty uh, recorder out there and seeing what I can come up with. So that's hopefully going to be maybe in the next year, if, if not sooner. Yeah, then I'm definitely getting you in contact with my friend Matt O'Dell, Um He's one of the head guys for the group Patriot Paranormal. Uh, it's a group of all military paranormal investigators. And he does extensive research and um, investigations at uh, Civil War battlefields. Oh, wow. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So I will um, I'll shoot you over his uh his Facebook page after, after we get done here. Thank you. Well, Kevin, we're hitting the end of our time. I appreciate you taking the time to actually be able to be on the show tonight. I know our connection's been a little screwy all night. Hey, thank you for having me, Brandon. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I apologize for the internet connection now. It, it's not a problem. Believe me, I've, I've heard a lot worse than this. So, <laughs> so again, everybody, you know, take a second, especially since we're all, you know, confined to our houses with the coronavirus. It's a great time to pick up a new book. So get online, Barnes & Noble, Ozark Mountain Publishing, Amazon.com. Pick up Ghosts and Me by Kevin Killen. Kevin, like I said, thanks for being on the show tonight. Have yourself a great night. Thank you, Brandon. You do the same. 
Thanks again to Kevin Killen, author of the book Ghosts and Me, for being our guest tonight, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please remember to leave us five stars or give us a review. It'll help us get the word out about the show, and we want to hear your feedback to help make our show better. If you're an Android listener, you can follow us on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts, so you'll never miss an episode. Remember, if you like the show, tell a friend. You can find us on any podcast directory. My name is Brandon, and you have been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal teams a little closer together. The Para Unity Podcast. <laughs>